uh, when I speak, um, what it means to be, as, we looked at, as we've been looking at Matthew's Gospel, what does it mean to be part of the Kingdom of Heaven? What does it mean to be citizens of the Kingdom of Heaven? As we've been uh, looking at Matthew 16 and Matthew 18 and the parables of Jesus, and we are going to be looking at another very unique parable here this morning uh, in the 21st chapter of Matthew's Gospel, if you want to follow along. In the Pew Bible, it's on page 978, if, you, if you'd like to follow along. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? I mean, we've just sang about, we just sang, I will follow, I will follow, and we sang that repeatedly, but do we really mean that? It's kind of like maybe we can use the uh, Twitter example. You know, I don't know if Jesus has a Twitter account, but maybe he does. And Have you clicked follow to follow Jesus? Uh, and I think there's a uh, painting, maybe some of you have seen this already, Jesus talking to someone say, no, I'm not talking about Twitter, I literally want you to follow me. Uh, and we are to be followers of Jesus. So have you clicked the button to follow Jesus, if I stay with the Twitter theme? Continually learning what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And as we've been talking about what the citizens of the kingdom of heaven look like, we've talked about certainly there are the grand and, and big issues in life where we want God's kingdom to be on earth as it is in heaven. So we know that poverty and is not part of God's kingdom. So we as Christians, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, must do what we can as Christians to feed the poor and care for the poor, but not only feed them, to do what we can to ask and ask the question, why is there poverty in the first place, and eradicate it. That is not part of God's kingdom, poverty. So we as Christians go to work in God's kingdom to make sure his kingdom is here on earth as it is in heaven. But in these gospel lessons we've been looking at that have been part of the church calendar, it has been surprising to me, and I've learned myself, uh, a great deal I have learned in preparing these messages. Jesus also talks about to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we must be people of forgiveness. And we talked about that. And that if he has forgiven us so much, and I'm so thankful Tim Green came in a week after I preached the message on forgiveness from, Matthew, from the 18th chapter, and he spoke on it as well. So he came by and cleaned up my sermon a little bit and made sure he understood what I was trying to say, so I'm thankful to him for that. And he talked about Jesus has paid and forgiven us so much that we have all these little IOUs that we must just lay at the altar and be a forgiving people. And once we are a forgiving people, we must also be a grateful people if we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, being grateful and having gratitude for all that God has done for us. And that is how we are to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And now as we move into the 21st, 21st chapter of Matthew's gospel, we come to the final week of Jesus' life. He is in the final days in his Last lessons are being taught and lived out so that people might hear and see what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What it means to be in the kingdom of God. And here he talks about those who are getting into the kingdom of God. And many followers are clicking that unfollow button, if you will. Uh, as this final week unfolds, there are not as many followers as there once were. So let us look at Matthew's Gospel chapter 21, beginning with verse 23 through 32. Uh, we are reading the Gospels this morning. Will you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism. Where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? 
they discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. As you often hear me pray, we begin every message, or I like to begin every message by simply praying the prayer, let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. As we, as we look to this, this text within the last few days of Jesus' life, he's already had the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, if you will, where he was hailed as the coming Messiah, and, and only a few days later we know he would be crucified on the cross. He has done miraculous healings, miraculous healings, and the elders and chief priests, they're concerned about this. And just the day before, he's teaching in the temple, but just the day before, he went into the temple and he was angry and mad because they had turned the temple into a den of thieves and he's overturning tables and he, he takes a whip and he clears everyone out. He clears out the animals that they were selling in the temple and he says, this is a holy place. And he starts cleansing the temple. So these elders and chief priests, they, they were responsible to oversee the temple but religious life and community life at this time were very closely connected. So they didn't only oversee the temple life, they also oversee, were overseers of all the community, the entire community. And they're feeling threatened. They're feeling threatened by what Jesus is doing. Not necessarily what he's teaching this day, but what has transpired these last few days. And they know his followers have been increasing over the last several months. And, and they're worried. And they're really what trying to do is they're trying to corner him. They're trying to get ammunition to be used against him to crucify him, to get rid of him. You hear me say over and over again, we must be critical in our thinking, but not critical in our spirit. And if you leave ENC being critical in your spirit toward the church, or towards another person, or towards family members or friends, whatever their background, whatever their faith background, whether that's Christian or of another faith, or whether that's Baptist or Nazarene or Methodist or liberal or conservative, whatever it may be, if you walk out with a critical spirit, we have done a disservice to you. We must be critical in our thinking and not critical in our spirit. And I would like to suggest that the elders and leading priests have a critical spirit because they're seeking to undermine Jesus. You see, they have an agenda. They have an agenda. They don't go into this as truly seeking the betterment of the temple. And we should not just assume that all the Pharisees and leading priests of the day were, were evil and all of them were bad. And these leading priests were doing their jobs by asking some questions, but their spirit behind what they were doing was not pure. They did have an agenda. And so Jesus, you know, they ask why, what authority are you doing these things? And Jesus doesn't want to play the game, so he says, I'll tell you what, I'll answer your question if you answer my question. John's baptism, did it come from heaven or was it from men? When he's saying from heaven, he's meeting of God and they know this. And 
And they explain in the text, if, they, if we say it was from heaven, then they're going to say, well, why didn't you believe in him? And if we believe in John, then we need to believe in Jesus because John was preparing the way for the kingdom of God. He was preparing the way for the kingdom of heaven. So they know if we say it was from heaven, we need to believe you and follow you. But if we say it was from men, then this large crowd, this large gathering, all of whom believe John was a prophet, they'll kill us. And so they don't say anything at all. They didn't want to answer. And so Jesus says, well, neither will I answer you. And then he goes and tells this very, very unique parable of a father and two sons. And he tells, tells this, the gospel lesson tells us that he tells them to go out into the vineyard and work. Now keep in mind that the vineyard, let's say, is representation of the kingdom of heaven, which we've been talking about, the kingdom of God. Our heavenly Father sends us out into the vineyard to work and be amongst the kingdom, to be amongst the kingdom and and so that God's kingdom will be on earth as it is in heaven. So again, whether that's poverty, we want to eradicate that. That's not part of God's kingdom. If someone is hungry, we want to, we want to visit the imprisoned. If someone doesn't have access to clean water, someone doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, we are to call them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Go out into the vineyard. An illustration that I used here, I think recently, but allow me to use it one more time, that that helped me how there are so many ways to work in the vineyard. There are so many ways to advance God's kingdom, and God wants to use you in such unique ways, much like Eric Timms we're going to see on Friday. He has this gift of painting, and God is using that to be in the vineyard and advance his cause, and I really believe you'll be encouraged by hearing his message. But an illustration I want to use that I heard from an African priest was, was this, that he told in, in his country. Three women were walking along the river, as they were walking along the river, they noticed babies drowning, going down the river. And there were a lot of babies drowning. And one woman jumped in the river to begin grabbing as many as she could and save as many as she could. And as she looked to the shore, she saw one woman heading back to town. And she screamed to her, why aren't you coming in? Why aren't you jumping in and helping me save these babies? She says, because I'm going to go and get more help. I'm going to go and get more people. More can help us save these babies. And she saw the other woman running upriver. And she screamed to her, why aren't, you, why aren't you helping me save these babies? She says, I'm going to run upriver and find out who's doing this and I'm going to stop them. And I would like to suggest to you that all three women played a critical role in advancing the kingdom of God. All of them played a critical role. Some of us jump in and meet the immediate need by feeding and clothing and compassionate ministries. And we should. That is of God's kingdom. And God is calling some of you to do just that. I'd also like to suggest that some of you, God is calling to be a voice. Maybe it is a voice for the oppressed. Maybe it is a voice for those who are caught in human trafficking. Maybe it is to proclaim the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe it is to be a pastor. Maybe it is to be a voice wherever there is an injustice. God is calling some of you to be a voice, to advance His kingdom, to go into the vineyard and be that voice. But I'd like to suggest to you also that God is calling some of you to go up with and advance God's kingdom upriver by getting to the systemic root of whatever the issue may be, to get to the systemic root of whatever the problem may be, whether that be poverty or an injustice or, dis or discrimination, whatever it may be, I think God's calling some of you to head upriver and using the careers you go into and the education you receive here at ENC to advance God's kingdom and go into his vineyard. And so Jesus tells this parable of the vineyard 
of two sons. To the first son, he says, go out into the vineyard. And the son says, no, I, I will not go. But later changes his mind. The goal is to advance God's kingdom. And this first son is to represent, as Jesus says in, his, in the parable, prostitutes and tax collectors. Prostitutes and tax collectors are getting into the kingdom of God ahead of you. You, the religious leaders. You, the most educated prostitutes and tax collectors. To try to help us understand this a little better, prostitutes were viewed in the lowest level of society. The lowest level of society. No one cared or respected for them, and they were viewed as always hurting themselves and hurting others by the way that they lived. Now, we know today that many of the women caught up in prostitution, they are in the midst of slavery. But in this context, Jesus is talking about a woman and the way the society viewed her as being at the very lowest level and say, what? Wait, wait, wait. A prostitute is getting into the kingdom of God before me? After I have faithfully served the temple, I was at temple every, every Sabbath morning, every Sabbath night, even on Wednesday prayer meetings. I was, at, I was at the temple all the time. I grew up, I was even in Bible quizzing. Long before the Bible existed. Ah, you missed that, but that's all right. We'll move on. I have faithfully served and followed. I have faithfully been part of the community. You're telling me a prostitute is getting into the kingdom of God before me? Then he says tax collectors. Tax collectors could be viewed as if, let's say, I'm trying to think of something that will shock us, and the only person I could think of is Bernie Madoff, representing Wall Street, let's say. Stole hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. He was from the Elie Wiesel, Bernie Madoff, a, a Jewish man himself, stole millions, tens of millions from Elie Wiesel and the Holocaust Foundation. Tens of millions. So those on Wall Street, those in corporate America, that I'm not saying all of corporate America is evil, but you know that there are injustices there. You know that often they can exploit the poor. And Jesus is saying, you know, even some of those guys down on Wall Street, they're getting into the kingdom of heaven before you. So imagine how appalled we would be if we heard that. Wait, wait, wait. Lord, I go to a Christian college. Really? Guys in Wall Street? They're getting into the kingdom of heaven before you. The second son says, I will never go. I will not go. And then decides to go. Excuse me, the second says, I will go, but then decides not to go. Last year when uh, Dr. Bassel was here, he gave an illustration or a, an example of what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. And I think this second son who says, I will go, but then does not, is doing just that. Because what Dr. Bassel taught us was, is taking the Lord's name in vain is proclaiming with your lips that you are a follower of Jesus. Claiming with your lips through song or through prayer or in church time or at the college that you are a follower of Jesus, but then you go out and live a different way. And so that is what the second son is doing. Yes, I will go to the vineyard. Yes, I will go to advance your kingdom, but then he never goes. And so are we taking the Lord's name in vain? Gathering together here to sing and letting those in the dorm rooms and those in your homes and members of your community verbally saying you are a follower of Christ, but the way you live is something different because you do not go into the vineyard. You do not go out to be a voice. You do not go out to care for the needy or the poor. You do not go out to proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ so that others should follow. You do not go out to end injustices in the world. 
You proclaim it with your lips, but are you truly living it? Are you truly going out into the vineyard? Are you truly a follower? Or like the disciples in this week and other followers of Jesus, will you click unfollow? Will you be a follower? Some try to keep one foot in the vineyard and one foot out, kind of give the impression that they're truly following and but not really making the sacrifices and the commitment needed. And vineyard work is hard work. It's hard work. Do not be like the second son by saying yes with your lips and then taking the Lord's name in vain by not following and working in the vineyard to advance his kingdom. One of the greatest things that can happen in your spiritual life while being here at ENC is what it means to live as a Christian in community. There is that personal relationship we have with God, that that personal relationship that we must foster, our personal devotional time, and we often talk about our personal relationship with God, and we must never dismiss that. We must never dismiss calling people to a personal, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We are the church. We are to call them to a relationship with Christ. But we are also to grow in our understanding of what it means to be a Christian within community, certainly the church, but I would also suggest here at ENC. And then when we focus on our personal relationship with Christ and what it means to be a Christian in community, then we are better prepared to go and serve the world. And what does it mean to be a Christian in the world, whether we are going upriver or whether we are jumping in the river or whether we are going back to town to be a... We must nurture our personal relationship with Christ, but we also must grow in what it means to be part of a Christian community. And while you are here, you are living much like the Acts 2 church, as I said before. And the Acts 2 church lived in community together. They shared everything. They had meals together. They worshiped together. They shared their finances. And as I said, all of you are broke anyway, so it's all kind of even financially around here. You are truly living in Christian community. So my question is, if you are truly living in Christian community, are you like the second son? Where at times, and maybe in certain settings, your words are giving glory to God, but the way you are living in this community is not. Do you click unfollow when you walk out of here and go back to the dorm rooms? Do you click unfollow when you leave campus and go back home? Are you just giving God lip service and say, yeah, I'll go to the vineyard, Lord. I'll go to the vineyard, but then you never go. I would suggest that we even need to advance God's kingdom here on this campus we need to learn to know what that looks like so we can be better prepared to go and advance his kingdom into the world. So when you hear of issues like alcohol and marijuana in the dorms, when you hear of people that are treating others in ways that are disrespectful, whether with their words or their actions, do you give voice to that? When you know someone in a dating relationship is being harmed, do you give voice? Or is it just in chapel that you give praise to God? When he's saying, I want to call you into that situation because redemption is needed. You know, we have students that go to ENC that have little church background, but they are here because they're battling an addiction. And it has been advised to them that they be in a safe community while they're in their college years? Hmm. 
followers of Christ are supposed to care for those and look out for those. And if we are doing things in the dorm that could not only cause someone to stumble into sin but destroy their life, then shame on us. And Christ's blessings cannot be upon us if we live in that way. So do we just say, yes, I will follow you, Lord. But when I enter the dorm rooms, I, I click unfollow. When I go back home, I click unfollow. Maybe in church on Sunday morning and Sunday night, but I'm really not wanting to go into the vineyard, Lord. I know we've talked a lot about advancing your kingdom, and, and I'll work on the forgiveness thing, and I'll, I'll try to be grateful, and I'll do what the chaplain said when he quoted Oprah about naming five things you're thankful for, and I'll, I'll try to do some of that, Lord, but... But, you know, don't ask me to get into the real pain and the real suffering and the real struggles of others, Lord, because that is, you know, that's not popular. That is not popular. And others will think I'm crazy. If I'm giving voice to the way things are happening in the dorm, people will dismiss me and and abandon me. Well, that's going to happen to Jesus' life this week. Don't ask me to do that, Lord. Don't don't ask me to go in the vineyard. I'll go into your vineyard and maybe do a couple of things here and there. But don't, don't ask me to truly make sacrifices. Don't ask me to truly work hard to advance your kingdom. Prostitutes and tax collectors are getting into the kingdom of heaven before you. Because you live in such a way. So do we click the unfollow button? We have a video that's going to help us in this understanding. And then I'll close.
Please stand with me as I pray. Let us pray. As we conclude this chapel time, just a silent prayer. We want to take a few moments to give those an opportunity to say, I will follow. Or I will follow again. Know that the Lord is here and in silence beyond words. Lift your prayers of commitment and sacrifice and truly surrendering to Him. Whether you had decided to follow Jesus many years ago and are still on that faithful path of discipleship, or whether just in this moment you had decided you have decided to follow Jesus and be willing to go into the vineyard to advance his kingdom with heads bowed and eyes closed as the saying goes, will you please raise your hand so I can see all those who have committed to follow Jesus? Advance your kingdom through us, we pray, for your honor, for your glory. And may we never be ashamed to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I work in his vineyard. We pray these things now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You are dismissed. Go in peace.